Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, you cute little babe. How's it going? It's Diana Jebbia, host of the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. And while I have you, let's just get it out of the way. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Diana Jebbia, G-E-B-B-I-A. And make sure you follow Believe too at Believe Podcast, B-L-E-A-V, and Believe Pop Culture. Goodness, I feel like I give you a spelling lesson at the top of every episode. And for that, I'm sorry, but you know what? You're going to be a winner of the spelling bee by the time it's all done. What kind of spelling bee has the words as my last name and believe podcast network? I don't know, but you're going to be a rock star at it. And and that's that. Anyway, back to what we came here for. I'm already on a tangent, not even a minute in. I hope you had an amazing holiday weekend. Yeah, if you're listening right now, we are just coming back from Labor Day. What you do this weekend? I actually went to Disneyland. I did a little solo trip, take yourself out on a date to Disneyland type thing. And now I have a pass. So that's how well that went. Um, Seriously, if you haven't gone somewhere by yourself, I totally recommend it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm perpetually single. I am saying that because like you can literally do whatever you want. You don't have to worry for other people to make bathroom stops. You don't have to worry for your parents and the scooters, who I love, by the way, I truly love them, to find a dip in the sidewalk so they don't like drive off and hurt themselves. You can squeeze through crowds. It's glorious, and truly, I recommend that. But now, for what you came here for, okay? We have a wonderful episode today because I had someone really amazing on. His name is Zach Peter, and he is the host of the hashtag no filter podcast and he also has this really great wine line which you'll hear more about called housewives watching wine come on come on it's like made for us it's made for bravo lovers so i want you to fill up on whatever you're drinking maybe it is that housewives watching wine and get ready for a really fun podcast episode we cover a lot of ground we cover a deep dive on the Erica Jane legal drama, which Zach is like an expert at, by the way. We go into the Vanderpump Rules trailer and some more good stuff. So without any further ado, my love, Zach Peter. All right, babes. Well, you are in for such a special treat today because we have someone super fun, a very fun Bravo bestie on today. He is the host of No Filter with Zach. Also, he has a wine line, which, you know, we love wine. It's called Housewives Watching Wine. Please raise your gra- glass and hopefully your glass is Housewives Watching Wine for Zach Peter. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> What's I love going an on? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I'm li- alive and thriving. And yes, I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, of course. And we have like so much to talk about because obviously, like I said before, we love wine here on the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. Like it's our thing. You are like mastering the housewives world and the wine world. So we're going to come together and talk about that. So before I know I'm getting so ahead of myself because I'm just so excited. So before we get into all that, I wanted you to tell everyone about you. So tell everyone about your podcast, how you got started, all that good stuff. Hi, my name is Zach. And yes, I'm single. Slide into my DMs. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> so I host a, as you mentioned, I host a podcast, hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. And so every week we've now moved to three times a week. We are talking about the latest, juiciest reality TV tea, interviewing some of the stars. I mean, we have a lot of, it's mostly, I would say 90% Bravo. Yes. And then predominantly though in the past year it's really focused a lot on the Tom Girardi scandal and so I do deep dives into the scandal I interview all sorts of legal experts and um, just people that can help me make sense of it I feel like Elle yeah. Woods kind of doing all of my research I'm like Elle Woods meets Kim Kardashian that has no experience but like just tries to look pretty and pretend I know what I'm talking about um, and so, yeah, and so the podcast started about six years ago, and it's continued to grow ever since then. Uh, from the podcast came this new wine brand, which is a rosé that people can enjoy. It's inspired by some of the most iconic Housewives moments. So we have one called Drag Me, inspired by Potomac, one that says, I'm ready to mention it all, inspired by New York. Now tell me who gonna drag me, boo, inspired by Atlanta. My personal favorite, I Stole Kim's Goddamn House, yes. which is inspired by Beverly Hills. So there are different cans that meet the different franchises or the different shows within the franchise. So people can get that at nofilterwine.com. It's a delicious, lightly fizzy, crisp rosé, 14% alcohol by volume. So you're going to get Liddy City, but there's less than a gram of sugar. So you shouldn't have a hangover. Oh my God. I got to put my order in. I'm so glad you mentioned the So My Goddamn House one. Cause I was looking at that. I'm like, that's my favorite. So already like yeah. we're on the <laughs> my same personal page. Page. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, you have been like, first of all, like props to you for everything you do with your podcast. Cause like you are serious about this stuff going in, um, doing those deep dives, which we obviously like, we need this. And I always always say when I talk about Erica's legal stuff, I'm like, guys, I'm in no way a legal expert, but like, <laughs> I think this is what's going on. So like, there you are doing yeah. the Lord's work for us. Um, I ask everyone on this podcast and I prepped you about this question. <laughs> what? And thank God I did. Cause everyone gets stumped, but who is your Bravo bestie and what would you do on a day together? See, it's so, I have so many Bravo best. And I yeah. was thinking about this. I was like, oh, if I had a day with them, then I would want like, you know, a threesome with Craig and Austin. Like that oh would be, God. you know, what my wet dreams are made of. But I was thinking about, I was like, you know what? No, I think what I really want to do, I would want to do a day with the witches of WeHo. If I only have to pick Cute. one, then I would pick Stassi. And I know that's controversial, but hear me out. Okay. I want to pick Stassi because I feel like she's not going to come on a podcast and spill all the tea and the dish of what actually went down. And I feel like I can get her drunk enough to just like give me the full true Hollywood story of what actually went down mm -hmm. and spill all the Vanderpump tea. Oh my God. I love that. I always say my Bravo bestie is actually someone you've had on your podcast. It would be Lala. Oh, see, I wanted Lala. Lala was my first choice after Craig and Austin because I still have wet dreams about them together. But <laughs> after, but the only reason I didn't pick Lala is because like I need to have drinks and I would pick yeah. Lala and Lala's sober right now. Lala's at the top of my list. But the only reason I didn't go with Lala is because like I need to have drinks and she's sober and I can't drink my wine in front of her and not have her enjoy that. How rude. Right, that makes sense. That's very courteous of you. Um, Speaking of Lala, I do want to ask like, how was that having her on your show? Like, how was she? I met her once. She she was nothing but kind and gracious to me. So spill the tea. I love Lala, loved her book. Um, yeah. I've interviewed her twice now and even did like a charity event with her a couple years ago. Um, great, so sweet, so nice. You know, her and I on my show really am, uh, connected on grief. 
I mm -hmm. lost, you know, I recently lost somebody really close to me. She lost her father that we yeah. were able to kind of bond in that way. Um, I, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but I've been around alcoholism in my family. So yeah. I understand it as well. So we connected on so many of those levels, which is what I, what I really love about interviewing a lot of these stars is it's not just getting the tea, which we always get, trust me. Right. I always get the, the, the tea out of them, but I also love when we have like those deeper uh, connections where we talk about like real life stuff. And it seems like yeah. people that listen to the interviews also connect on that, but no, she's, she's great. She was so unfiltered. Um, and I got her to really mention it all. Yeah. And her book that you mentioned, that was such a, like, I don't want to say life-changing moment for me, but I found it really inspiring because I like was always, when it came to guys, I kind of just like played it safe. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really looking for anything, but she inspired me to have like my own like hot girl summer. So yeah, she, she talks about gonna, having a I'm hoe gonna, phase. Yeah. I'm going to embrace my hoe phase. Exactly. Sorry, mom. She listens to this podcast, but she already knows I'm having a bit of a hoe phase this summer and that's totally fine. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. So I also wanted to ask you, when did you first realize like, you became a Bravo super fan because it's different for everyone. Some people have been around since the very beginning. Some people, it was a particular housewife shows. What was it for you? So I've always been a lover of reality TV. Like mm -hmm. I grew up raised by Kris Jenner and Flavor Flav yeah. watching <laughs> Flavor of Love and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I've always loved reality TV. I've always loved like reading the blogs and getting into all of that stuff. And so my gateway into Housewives though, and really into Bravo altogether, I would have to say it started because I used to love reality TV with my grandma. We li I, I lived with her until I was 25. And so we would watch all of the reality shows together and then one day I'm like everybody's talking about these damn housewives we need to watch it and so it was the season two reunion for Real Housewives of New Jersey yeah and like gold with Danielle Staub and Teresa throwing Andy down and me and my grandma were both just like what is this like this is crazy and we need to keep watching it and so we watched Jersey and then from Jersey we jumped on to Beverly Hills because that was the year Beverly Hills premiered mm -hmm. and then from Beverly Hills we jumped on to New York and it just kind of continued to take on a mind of its own. I feel like Jersey was that gateway for so many people because obviously yep. before that we had OC, we had Atlanta and the show, as you know, it was different than it was more like a documentary into these rich yeah. people's lives and Jersey, me being from Jersey myself, like it brings the drama and it just, that whole family dynamic was just another level to the show. And that like, as you said, Beverly Hills came after that. I really feel like that's what took the um, Housewives franchise and just like, boom, like skyrocketed it. It did. I think New York really set the stage and yeah. then Jersey really just like ran us that's through right. the game. Yeah, because New York, okay, so originally, I'm from Staten Island originally, which is part of New York, but then Jersey and Staten Island like kind of just have that like they're kind of siblings of one another. Yeah. So whenever I would watch New York, I'm like, these are these just Upper East Siders. Like, I don't, I can't relate to this. And then Jersey, when yeah. it's all the Italians screaming at each other, I'm like, now this is more my speed. Yeah. Yeah. New York was the one that really first brought like press attention to the franchise. Cause we yeah. did have OC and we did have Atlanta and they were entertaining, yes. you know, respectively based off of their cities, but New York came in and that's when they were getting featured on all of the press that like people are like, well, what is this housewives? And then Jersey came in with so much like passion and fire and drama. And it was just like, we couldn't turn away. I mean, the first season of Jersey came with the table flip that it was yeah. like, 
you know, it took it to a whole new level. The table flip heard around the world. <laughs> yeah, I have um, a wine. I'm ready to flip a table. I love that. Oh my God, that's amazing. So you just said that New York obviously was in the press and it was the hottest thing when it first started. Now, New York is kind of getting some bad press and it's a lot of rumors are flying about what's going on with the reunion. What are your thoughts on this controversial, I guess you could say, season of New York? Yeah, controversial for sure. Um, I haven't loved this season, but I also didn't love last season where yeah. I feel like everybody's finally starting to see what I've been saying about New York. New York, I thought was like top franchise, supreme, always great. They always delivered. And then we got into last season where we lost Bethany and we lost Tinsley. And I, or even when we first brought in Barbara Kay, I was like, I don't even oh understand why so many people even like Barbara Kay. I'm like, why are you even a fan of her? Like she was yeah. barely on for like half a season. Um, and so when last season came, I was kind of like, mm, I'm not like, it's not, it's losing its luster because I feel like the OGs, the veterans of the show, just started to phone it in. They mm -hmm. weren't giving us as much. They didn't have much storyline anymore. And we can only see Ramona do stupid stuff and be, you know, say problematic things and be disrespectful to the staff and Sonia get drunk and Luann talk about her cabaret show. Like we can only hit that note for so long. Yeah. So coming into this season, once I saw the trailer, I was like, this isn't going to be a good season. There, There's no central storyline. There's nothing. It just seemed like a bunch of mixed mashed episodes that just felt like a whole season of of never before seen footage you know when they have that yeah. special at the end yeah. where it's like all these random scenes that are just slapped together that's what last season really felt like and I expected that for this season now bringing in Ebony and it's really hard because filming a show at that time while the world is in such a heavy place it's like you have nothing else to talk about but the heaviness that's going on around you. Mm -hmm. I think Beverly Hills did it in a way that touches on it, but kind of is able to push the storyline forward. We're able to have these conversations. People are able to kind of fall into the mud, put their foot in their mouth, but then we're able to have the conversation and as an audience, learn with the cast members as we're moving through them, yeah. especially when it comes yeah. to like race. And so with New York, I don't think we got much of that conversation. Like it was like, you know, I feel like some of the women were afraid to have the conversation. I feel like Ebony was really hammering in that conversation. I think both were pushed by production. So I think there are just so many other influences that that really hindered New York this season. We only had five women. They were in New York where you weren't really able to go out. Like there were just so many factors that I think really hindered the show and we need to take a beat in order to kind of recalibrate. Yeah, that was very beautifully said because every time I talk about it on the show, I'm like, people automatically want to blame Ebony for the season going yeah. south, but it's not her fault at all. It's literally, like you said, it's the OGs not combination. wanting to have those conversations and it's just yeah dumpster fire whereas you said in Beverly Hills which I never thought of that like we were able to address those issues and then it you know it resonated with us and it was just done so much better so I'm really glad you said yeah. that because look, look at New York. I mean, sorry, look at Beverly Hills. We had the conversation with Kyle and Garcelle at the top of the season. We mm -hmm. had the conversation with Sutton and Crystal. We had the conversation at the dinner table with Dorit talking about how, you know, she hires all of these staff members that are people of color to expose her kids to them. And then Garcelle's there and she's like, oh, so is that your only exposure is the staff in your house? Like we had so many of those moments and we were able to address it and we were able to say stupid stuff on the show and we were able to put our foot in our mouth and then we were able to learn from it. And I think as audience members, 
members, when we go through that journey with the housewives, we, we learned and we see different perspectives that we may not have necessarily heard or seen because of our own lack of exposure, because of the own bubble that we live in. Absolutely. And that's just a beautiful way that like something like reality TV, when you, you know, when you think of it at first, you think it's just all mess and all drama, but it's just such a beautiful way that we can bring real life issues into it. And I know a lot of people when they like dumb commenters on Facebook, they're like, I don't want to watch this. Like, this is my escape. But like, you know what, we're in the part of life and the world right now where we can no longer escape from it. It's true. You can't you can't escape from it. All you can do is move through it. And I think the people that are resisting moving through it are the ones that are getting stuck and feeling halted. Hell yes. Oh, my God. Preach. Preach, babe. Um, So we did talk about Beverly Hills for a minute, and I do want to get more into that because like you mentioned before, your deep dives. What the hell is going on with Erica? Do you think she knew? Do you think she's digging a grave? Like, talk to me. She's definitely digging a grave. And I understand a lot of people um, don't like her and she has a very off-putting personality, but somebody being a cold-hearted bitch and somebody being criminally culpable in this entire scheme are two completely different things. And Mm -hmm. so I always like to, when I cover the case, come at it objectively and be like, she's not a great person doesn't necessarily mean she did anything. She hasn't been criminally charged. Yeah. So I think she is definitely not doing herself any favors on social media now. I think in the show, and I've tried to explain this to people, and I think they misconflated as me defending her. But in my analysis of just watching the show objectively, I'm like, this is somebody that I think is so shell-shocked that, and she's somebody that's so ego-absorbed, as we as we've seen in many seasons. She's never really denied that, you know, level of narcissism, however deep it goes. And I think she is just so shell-shocked by the whole thing that she's in this tunnel vision where all she can see is herself. All she can see is her own perspective. And I genuinely believe in her head, she thinks she is the victim, you know, Mm. and can't even acknowledge, not that I'm saying she is a victim, but I think she really believes that. She wakes up in the morning and thinks that she is the victim in all of this because I don't believe she knew what Tom was doing. And when you actually look into it, when you look at the financials um, and you don't just read the headlines because a lot of people are like, oh, well, she signed documents and she was a secretary in the company. But it's like, if you actually give context to those situations, it doesn't actually prove that she's culpable in anything. If anything, it paints a picture of her just being another, you know, arm candy gold digging housewife that lives in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills that has a sugar daddy. Yeah, no, it's amazing you said that because when I look at it, I'm like, I'm never going to have, well, hopefully I'm going to have as much money as she did one day, but right now I don't have as much money as she does. And we like not having that much money. We don't know how the other half lives, especially when you marry a man who you marry into that money, right? That wasn't your money that you made. So like, uh, just thinking about like Teresa too, and thinking about yeah. like the old school lifestyle, which obviously Tom was older. It was always like the man writes the checks and the man does this. So did she know it's possible she didn't know. And he was just like, here, like sign this babe, you know? Yeah. The more I dig deep into it, the more and more I'm realizing, I don't think she knew. Did she spend the money? Absolutely. Did she benefit off of blood money? Absolutely. You know, but there are so many things that like you have to put into context. Like, like you see these headlines that are like, oh, she got $25 million as a loan to her LLC. But then you look into it and you're like, oh, well, it wasn't a a one-time lump sum 25 million that went into her bank account. It was 
over the course of 12 years, yeah. she was racking up personal Amex bills. And then we now find out that he was paying for those Amex bills from Girardi Keith's money over the course of these 12 years. So the money never went into her bank account. It was her just running up her personal Amex and then being like, hey, daddy, pay my bill. And he was like, okay, I'll pay your bill. And how could she have known that he was paying it from company money and not their own personal money? Yeah. And when you're accustomed to that lifestyle, it's not like one you day you're going to question. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be like, yeah. oh, where's this money coming from? It's just like my man makes money. I always say it like this, like imagine you are in her position and you have a sugar daddy. Are you really going to be like, show me where the money's coming from? You're going to be like, no, fly me on another on another private jet. Give me some more champagne and caviar. My life is superb. It's so funny because like I have anxiety and now like watching all this, I'm like, damn, if I ever get a rich husband, I'm going to be like, you tell right? me where this money's coming show from. Show me the receipts. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. So you said you've spoken to legal experts about this. Have you spoken to Ronald Richards at all or like What's your take on him? Oh my God. Are you asking me this question because you saw what happened over the weekend? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Ronald Richards is a really hot topic. Um, and I have had him on the show and I have spoken with him yeah. very early on before everybody else started inviting him on their shows every other week before he started calling all the press himself and offering exclusives. Yeah, I had him on my show and I thought he was a really good, credible expert. Um, now I feel like he's kind of just making a circus charade out of all of this. And I think his ego has clouded his ability to effectively do his job. And so I had called him out on that on my podcast. Um, and I, I genuinely, generally hold him accountable every time he slips up. I sure. give credit where credit is due always. I think he's doing a good job. Is he working for the victims at this point? I don't believe that that's the priority for him. You have to remember he gets 40% of this money. So everyone mm. wants to be mad at Erica and be like, oh, she, you know, she needs to give back her blood money. Ronald Richards is fighting for the blood money, but it's like, He's taking the blood money out of her pocket and putting it into his pocket yeah. and then passing it off onto the bank lenders. And then the victims are at the end of the line. Like you have to follow the money and really look at the context of the circumstances and be like, well, 40% of $25 million, like that's a cute paycheck. Like he's going to be, you know, it's expensive to be him. And so I will call him out and, and do these things that I've done on my show, just like to hold him accountable, not to defend Erica, but to right. hold the people accountable. Because my argument is Tom was never held accountable. And that's how he got away with these things for so many years. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to know how did Tom get away with it? Because nobody checked him, boo. And so Ronald Richards was unhappy with the fact that there was most recently a story about Lisa Rinna's daughters. And he was uh, alleging that Erica gave money to their company. I actually did the research into it. I came with all the facts and the receipts. I tweeted it. I talked about it on my show. And I was like, this is a perfect example of somebody that's feeding the press, allowing his ego to cloud his judgment. And he's making noise for something that's not actually going to go anywhere. And he's wasting time, resources, and money yes. chasing down this wild goose chase without actually doing his job. He needs to focus on doing his job, which is to make the victims the priority. He was not happy about that. Blew up on me on Twitter. Um, says that how dare I call? How dare I say he has an ego? Because um, all I have the biggest ego of them all. Because all I do is talk about my hair and my wine brand. I'm like, well, of course, because my hair looks fly and my wine brand is is delicious. So yes, I'm gonna pimp it out, right? <laughs> You're at least my wine brand doesn't isn't built off the backs of stolen blood money. Yeah. So. 
he has repeatedly gone off and this isn't the first time, you know, he blows up my DMs every single time I say something about him. And he's always just like, have me on your show, have me on your show and we'll hash it out there. And I'm just like, I'm not going to give you that platform. I'm like that to me, you should not be focused on trying to prove me wrong. You should be focused on doing your job. And my whole point is, yes, the public deserves to know certain things, but tell us when you actually have been able to prove it. Yeah. When you've gotten it beyond the speculation piece, when you have facts and receipts, then come to me and tell me that Erica Jane invested in Rena Beauty. Once you have that, then show me the receipts and be like, okay, now go and talk to the press. Now go call up Raider Online, who just retracted a st an exclusive that he gave them. They had to retract it because it was false and inaccurate. Um, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? Because like I would hire you based off like that's what I'm saying. Years. I'm Al Woods meets Kim Kardashian. Like at this point, you know that's where it's going. And and here's the thing. And I'm going further into it into the podcast. I'm still in the investigative process, but it's so I'm realizing that it's so much bigger than Tom and Erica. There yeah. are so many other players involved in this. Like you have to look at the state bar didn't check him. You have Governor Gavin Newsom who is literally praising him on Watch What Happens Live saying, Erica is my favorite housewife and Tom donates to my campaign. So when you have people, you have the governor of California praising you on Watch What Happens Live. Like mm -hmm. you have to think of like, well, what were those connections? Why did, you know, why were you so close to the governor? And why were you so close to all of these judges? And so the further I'm diving into it, I'm really that Tom was just one piece in this much bigger scheme. And Erica is now becoming the scapegoat because she's the one on reality TV and she's the one that we're focusing all of our attention on without realizing there are so many other people involved. There's, you know, Tom's son-in-law, David Lira, there's Keith Griffin, there's, you know, Alyssa Miller herself, there's um, Walter Lack. Like there are so many other lawyers and attorneys that were really a part of this big this possible huge scheme that goes way bigger than Girardi Keys. Oh my God. Yeah. This city, LA, like it's just such a mess. And I feel like you're going to be like exposing it all. Like it'll be like LA law, but with housewives watching wine. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would definitely watch that show. Yeah. So I, I agree with what you said that I think that Ronald Richards is wasting a lot of money. I brought that up on the last episode of my show with um, Donnie Hadfield Smith and he had this great quote. He was like, messy people get all kinds of jobs. And he's like, I think he would be a really great lawyer. Like he's probably, you know, doing everything right. However, he's being really messy about it and going through, like he wanted to depose Lisa Rinna. And I'm like, okay, if I was a victim in this situation and I'm paying you a pretty penny to work for me and I know my money is going to like deposing this housewife who has nothing to do with it I would be mad yeah and, and I also want to clarify because he will blow up you blow you up in your dms if he listens to this which most of the time he does when you say pain the victims are paying him it's the percentage and the billable hours that he okay. is taking away or the expenses. So if he wastes all of this time and resources in building up these expenses, so on top of his 40%, he gets all of his, his expenses paid back at the end of the case. Gotcha. So he's making a lot more than just the 40%. So you're correct. They are, they, this it's the, the victims are paying for it in the sense that it's their money that's being used within the estate. That's then going towards paying everybody back. Gotcha. So like if they were granted a judgment that would go towards it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I'm glad. I'm glad I have you here again. I'm going to hire you as my lawyer. <laughs>
Um, all right. So I think that wraps a really nice bow on Ronald Richards and Erica Jane and Tom Girardi. Um, staying within the line of Beverly Hills, though, I did want to spill the Bravo tea with you for a second, because this morning I was flipping through Instagram and I saw something pretty scandalous. So we know last week, Eunice, who's Kourtney Kardashian's ex-boyfriend, shared some DMs from Scott Disick, and it was Courtney and Travis being Kravis, which I don't know about how you feel about them, but like, I love them PDAing everywhere. It's great. We need to see it. Um, so they were in Italy and Scott DM'd Eunice, like, is this girl crazy or whatever? Like, what is she doing in the middle of Italy? Just basically disapproving of it. And Eunice went off on him and was like, you know, don't do that in other words. And now Amelia didn't say anything. Lisa Rinna didn't say anything. And finally today, Amelia posts a story and it's a girl in a tank top and it says, don't you have a girlfriend? And then Lisa Rinna posts on Instagram. It's a picture of Harry Styles, like blowing a kiss, which we know in a couple of weeks ago's episode of Beverly Hills, she was like, couldn't she just date Harry Styles? So do you think this was a direct response to all that drama? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we've seen them do this in the past. And I think like the other, so we have, Eunice, who is Courtney's ex, who we know is thirsty. So of course, yeah. if Scott gives him the ammunition, he's going to use that to expose Scott and see like, oh, I'm a good guy. And this guy can't get over Courtney, even though I'm pretty sure if Courtney was willing to date him and bring him back into the limelight, mm -hmm. he would do it in a heartbeat. The same way, you know, Scott has continued to milk his fame through the Kardashians. So, and now, I mean, does Amelia love Scott? Maybe. I'm sure she likes him. I'm sure they have a great connection. You know, I hear he's great in bed. So, do you know, it. when we when we find the, the bad boy that, you know, is going to give us the D that, that hits just right and, you know, is going to pay for everything and, you know, going to help catapult our fame. Like, I think there's a lot of leverage in dating Scott Disick. So I think we're going to continue to, it's easy to kind of continue to jump onto the rumor mill. And I definitely think it was probably a nod at, at Mr. Yoon's. <laughs> Do you think that um, Scott and Amelia can go on much longer after this? I mean, Tom and Erica did it for 20 years. <laughs> then again, Tom had a lot more money. But I mean, I think, I don't think it's going to last. I think I really liked his relationship with Sophia because yeah. I really believe she loved him. Like that was the sentiment that I got is Sophia actually really loved Scott and was willing to be a part of his, like we saw her coming on the show and like coming on the show, but not being a part of the storyline necessarily yeah. on the show and being around his kids. And I think she genuinely cared about him. And if that didn't work out, I think it's probably an issue with Scott and Amelia will probably have to cross that bridge as well if he doesn't get it together because we saw Courtney was like, you need to get your life together or else we're not going to date. And now they're not dating. Sophia left him because he couldn't get it together. So I think Amelia is probably destined to that same fate. I am pretty sure Lisa Rinna is like fingers crossed kind of rooting for it. Um, but I don't see them going the distance in the long run. No. Yeah, no, Scott definitely has some self-work to do. I always end up talking about like relationships and like attachment styles on this podcast. And there's definitely like some anxious avoidant stuff going on where like he needs to clear that up and maybe, you know, if it's right, Courtney will come back, but she seems like she's really got a good thing going with Travis. I love their relationship, her and Travis, because I just think, 
I like seeing her happy, whether it's a, a rebound or a, a fling or it's going to it's going to burn out like these two at least have history. You know, they've mm-hmm. known each other for a really long time. They've been neighbors. Their kids play together like their families know each other. They obviously started with some sort of foundation beyond just a couple of dates like they have history together. And I think the fact that, you know, I just had Dr. V on the show, if anybody remembers from Real Houses of New Jersey. Yeah, she was (laughs) the one that helped mend the family Gorga drama back in season five. So I I love Dr. V and I've had her on my show several times, but she was just on it and we were talking about Courtney and Travis. And she made a really good point that like Travis, we saw he got on the plane and went to Italy with Courtney. And it's the first time he's gone on a plane since his accident. And that says a lot. If somebody's willing to face their trauma and, you know, go the distance with you by overcoming that PTSD and overcoming those fears, that says a lot. That says that he's in it and he's committed to it. That's amazing. Um, Dr. V was also, I don't remember the name of the show, but Bravo had like, it was psychiatrist or something like that. LA Shrinks, I think. That, yeah. Oh my God. That's how I fell in love with her. I would love to see her, but we all know my insurance won't cover that. So (laughs) that's why I invite her on my show. She gives me free therapy. Oh my God. I'm taking so many notes from you today. Uh, (laughs) How about we move on to the Vanderpump Rules trailer that just dropped because It looks juicy. And I know a lot of people were having some doubts and some questions about this season because we are missing some key key players from the past. But I think that it's definitely going to bring the drama this year. It definitely looks like, I mean, what I, I liked that the trailer was good. I liked that the trailer was buzzy and I liked that the trailer surrounded the the cast members that we all already know and love, you know, it doesn't introduce anybody new necessarily. I know that there are going to be new faces that are introduced in this throughout the season, but it doesn't necessarily focus on any of them. It focuses on the core OGs, the veterans of the show. Mm -hmm. I didn't love that. It didn't address anything that happened since last season. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of picked up right where we are right now without being like, hey, we were gone for a year. Hey, we got pregnant and had babies. Like none of that is necessarily addressed. We just see Lala and Lala's a mom. And we're like, but how do we get from Lala, you know, just getting engaged to now Lala having a baby in her arms. So I wish the trailer just kind of would have given us like a little bit of something, a little bit of a teaser of I'm hearing that that maybe the 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 gaps in the seasons is going to be addressed in the first couple of episodes like they're going to talk about everything that happened they're going to address everything that happened i'm really curious because i had sheena lala and ariana all on my podcast all that continued to add fuel to the fire within their feud where they talk about why they unfollow each other and had very you know very fiery things to say about each other on my show that made a lot of headlines going into the season so i want to see how that's kind of address like how do we go from their feuding to to mending but i like that bravo has pivoted their strategy from introducing a bunch of new people to focusing on the veterans because i think that's what was lacking last season is we try to introduce too many new characters so i'm excited to see what they have to bring i hear brock is at the central of a lot of the drama this season yeah baby daddy so i'm excited to see that unfold too yeah, we see Lala go after Brock and it's like, oh, he hasn't spoken to his kids in four years. Now, I am a Lala apologist, so I'm always going to take yeah. her side. But do you think that knowing how Lala is, do you think that comment was coming from a place of like, I'm looking to protect my friend Sheena? Or, you know, since they feud, it's like my my friend of me, Sheena, I guess you, should, you could say. Or is it like, 
I want to stir the pot. I think it's probably her wanting to stir the pot and she's probably going to disguise it as I'm your friend. But mm-hmm. like, like I said, I talked to all of them in the months leading up to filming and they all had really nasty things to say about each other, the three of them. So I don't know if Sheena and Lala can necessarily mend their beef that quickly to the point where Lala's like, I'm just looking out for you, girl. She made guise it as that. Yeah. But I think she's definitely going to be spilling some tea because you have to remember Lala was in the hot seat and her man was dragged and her man was the subject of a lot of drama at the beginning too. And now she's like, all right, bitch, it's time to turn the tables. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And it looks like Sheena um, and Lala, they seem to be better now because everyone's going out with the babies and whatever. I feel like I've never had a kid, but I say this to all my friends who have, I'm like, I feel like if you have a baby at the same time, someone else you weren't getting along with does, like you automatically have something to bond over and everything's fine. Like look at uh, Shaza Sunset, MJ and Gigi. So I feel like that's what happened there. But obviously Ariana doesn't have a kid. She most likely never will have kids and her and Lala, that beef, I don't think is, I think that's done. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's done too. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any real, I mean, if anything, the only thing that's going to hold them together is Sheena. And that's saying that both of them will still continue to have their relationship with Sheena. So yikes. I don't, I don't think, I think they're going to be feuding on and off throughout this season. If I could predict anything, I think that'll be the crux of a lot of it. Yeah. And it's hard for me to choose sides there because again, I am obsessed. I feel like Lala is my favorite cast member of the show, but there are things I love about Ariana too. Um, She's also someone I met and she also just has a really good heart. And I love how she stands up for what she believes in. Sometimes I think when she's with Tom, it can get a little like, you know what I mean? Like a little too much. And, but I don't know. She's just someone I love too. So I feel like watching that feud is going to be difficult. See, but I love that you admit that you like both of them because I hate when like fans come in and they're like, are you team this or are you team that? And then we fight over which team we're on. But I'm like, I'm team the show. I'm team like, I know which ones I like, but I'm team like, I want to see the two people that I like fight and have it out and have resolution and, and throw wine in each other's faces. Like that's what I'm tuning in for is to watch that showdown go down, but I'm not going to then go up on Twitter and be like, I hate Ariana. Yeah, exactly. And we saw that um, last season with Raquel and Lala and like Raquel was never someone I was a huge fan of until recently. Also a really nice, wonderful person. Like, but seeing Lala go after her, I was like, okay, girl, like I love you but that was wrong like that was such an easy target like come on yeah it was a pit bull with you know a little chihuahua fresh out of surgery exactly exactly and it looks like Raquel gets a little bit bigger of a backbone this season especially when it comes to James and I like that she's really coming into her own in the trailer like James, it's so hard because, again, it's not someone I like, but someone at the end of the day I'm rooting for because we do like to see growth and we do like to see change. So we all know now they're engaged, but seeing them in the trailer and he's just saying his vicious insults and treating her like she doesn't exist, that was hard to watch. Yeah, and it it shows that James is still James at the heart of it. He's somebody that's grown on me a lot that I really was not a fan of and have, you know, come to have a a soft spot for him. And I think it's because we kind of watched that evolution with him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Whereas like Jack's like never really actually changed. He was always yeah. very much the same, the same, you know, scumbag that he always was. And we love him for that. But, you know, I just, I'm excited to see their relationship kind of go through its ups and downs. And I want to see if their relationship is going to be subject of the drama the way Sheena's relationship is definitely being put on full display this season. Do you know what they were talking about? I forget what it was. And she was like, it's my body. Like she was going at Jay. I don't know what that was about. I would assume it was about um, her getting plastic surgery, like filler and Botox, because he was like, well, I'm the one that has to look at your face every day. And she's like, well, it's my body. So I'm like, what is something that involves her body that he, you know, might not necessarily love seeing every day? Or it could be a conversation about kids and maybe one of them wants kids and the other one doesn't. And that's where she's like, well, it's maybe she doesn't want kids just yet. And he wants kids. And so that's why she's like, well, it's my body. And well, but then why would he say, but I have to look at your face. I know That's what I was thinking at first too. I'm like, is this a pregnancy conversation? Cause like everyone else in the cast is having babies. And I'm like, but then that doesn't really make sense. So that'll be interesting. I don't know. I like that. She could want like a nose job. She could be like, yeah, she could be like, I want to get a nose job. And he's like, no, because then I have to look at your face every day. Well, yeah. Well then like screw him because that's (laughs) (laughs) bye. Yeah. Right. I would, I would throw him out the window at that point. Um, Katie and Tom and Tom. So (laughs) it feels like this and it's, it's weird because it's always like Katie, Tom and Tom, not Katie, Ariana, Tom and Tom. Like it feels like they're a threesome. Do we feel like Katie and Tom are the married ones or, and it's like Tom and Tom are the married ones. And Katie's like, side chick to the marriage I think Katie's side chick to the marriage yeah yeah for sure especially I think they're both side chick to the marriage yeah that makes sense because now they're they're doing this new business venture right which like I'm excited if that actually goes through like I will be at that bar all the time um and Katie we see her like as kind of what comes to mind is Yoko Ono and the Beatles. <laughs> like yeah. he's trying to insert her thoughts and be part of it. But I think in a way to stick up for Tom Schwartz and be like, listen to his ideas. He has them because we know that out of the two Toms, like Schwartz is second banana because Sandoval right. just inserts himself that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just like, in a way is like, is she helping the situation? Is she really help trying to help Schwartz find his voice or is she just nagging and like, you know? I think because, I mean, she doesn't have much going on career-wise for herself, but mm-hmm. I think she knows that their bag is coming from Tom Tom. Yeah. And so if Tom Schwartz isn't going to stand up and do anything, she's going to insert herself and take care of it for him and act on his behalf because she knows he's not going to. And I think, you know, Sandoval definitely knows how to play Schwartz. And I think it's really just Katie kind of standing up for Schwartz and, and being his backbone. But I do find it interesting that you would expect Katie and Ariana to have some beef as the wives of the businessmen. Yeah. But Katie's very much like inserting herself into the business, whereas Ariana's like, I'm just here to be supportive of you. Yeah. And I think that's really where Ariana wins out of it all because she knows what to say, when to say it, and when to stand back. And that's part of the reason why she and Sandoval work so well together. Like, could you just imagine if this was Kristen and Sandoval still no. together? Oh my God. It would be an entirely oh different show. It would be. I also feel like maybe this is a prediction for the next couple of seasons, but I feel like 
Sandoval's having a little more of a, a, a fluidity moment right now. Mm. You know, he's dressing up a little more. He's, you know, and we, we he's always kind of been comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. But I think because we know Ariana's open and she likes both men and women. And I think we may see Sandoval start to explore that over time. I would love that. I would love it. Could you imagine the two of them are just like, we're both open. And so we invite all these other people in and out of our relationship and we own it. That would be like a really great spinoff in itself. Because if you think like if you watch like his fashion has become a lot more flamboyant, you know, before he would do a little tinted moisturizer and shave yeah. his face. But now it's like, you know, he's really owning that. He has his own makeup brand for men yeah. that he started. He, you know, his his fashion choices are become a lot more flamboyant. Um, and I think he's really just becoming more comfortable in his own skin. And I wouldn't be surprised if that comes with being a little more fluid. That's a really bold prediction. Like, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> hold me to it. Save <laughs> the timestamp it. Save the video so that in three years when this happens, you can be like, Zach said it for you heard it here first. Caroline yes! Manzo's interview clip always gets resurfaced. I'm saying it. You heard it here first. Oh my God. I love that, babe. So any final thoughts about this Vanderpump Rules trailer before we say goodbye to you? It was too short. I wanted more and I can't wait for the season to start. No, same. I agree. Well, can you let everyone know a where they can find you B where they could listen to you see where they could buy your delicious wine? Yes, you can buy the wine at nofilterwine.com. I make everything easy for everybody, nofilterwine.com. And it's it gets shipped directly to your door, so you don't have to worry about having to go out and get it. I deliver it straight to you. Uh, not personally, I legally can't do that. <laughs> People always ask, they're like, are you shipping? The, they're like, are you shipping this these from your house? And I'm like, no, I legally cannot personally, you know, get the USPS, you oh know, God, boxes so and ship them out myself. So nofilterwine.com. Um, you can listen to the podcast hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. It's available on all podcast platforms, or you can watch the show at uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash just plain Zach. So you can listen to it. You can watch it. It comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can follow the show at no filter with Zach on Instagram. We have lots of funny memes. We go live all the time. I spill lots of tea. And if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at just plain Zach on all socials. Yes, everyone do it because he's so much fun to follow. And I want to thank everyone so much for listening to the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast. Make sure you follow me at Diana Jebbia, G-E-B-B-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. Follow Believe Podcast Network at Believe Podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V and Believe Pop Culture. And I will talk to you next week. Bye, babes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.